Oh, snap, snap, snap. The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Well, hello, raw feeders. I'm Dee Dee Mercer Moffat, the CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business and where friends don't let friends feed kibble. It is Monday morning. Good Monday morning, Dr. Andy. How are you? I'm doing awesome. How are you? I'm well. Good Monday, everyone. I'm well. I'm well. So what's going on uh, in the chiropractic world? I mean, there is there is uh, no shortage of dogs that need to be adjusted, I would say. Um, oh, no, sh- no shortage. No, no, no shortage. And today I want to I touch on a subject because I read this in your email, which, folks, you can get on Dr. Andy's email list. It's at animalmagiccare.com. Um, slipped disc. There is no such thing as a slipped disc in a dog. Is that true? Yes, drives me nuts. Here's my soapbox, people. Don't slip this. Your disc don't slip. They don't go anywhere. Not in you, not in your dog. Now, okay. It's semantic, right? Like, we all know what it means when people use that term. I don't. Um, what does it mean? Do. It mean? It basically means you have a, a disc issue, right? You're having neurological ramifications in the body. Um, your discs herniate or they bulge. They never slip. Okay, so what is herniate? I know what bulge is, but what is herniate? All right, so we have these soft little discs that sit in between the vertebrae um, of our dogs and of ourselves, but we'll talk dogs. And if they herniate, the, the outside of that disc splits open and the inside gel-like substance leaks out. And when that leaks out, it touches the nerves in the area, it touches the muscles in the area, it touches all that tissue, and it causes a lot of inflammation and a lot of Ouch. And so when that disc herniates, your dog generally becomes very painful. Not always. And that just depends on which part of the spinal cord um, that that gel-like substance is hitting. Sometimes you have a dog that is inconsolable, no meds are working, everything hurts. Um, and then you have some dogs that just, and then that dog is generally paralyzed too. In the, and we're going to talk mostly in the rear. If you have front end stuff, that's a little bit of a different conversation. We're just going to focus on the rear. Um, and then generally not moving. And then you have some dogs that are just not moving, that they're paralyzed in the back, legs aren't doing anything. They don't even know they have back, but they're not. And that just depends on where the lesion, and that's what we, the general term, use for where that disc has created, where that pain and that stimuli is, is the lead, where the inflammation is, that's also a lead. So wherever that lead that's hitting on, or depending on, depends on how much pain. Not necessarily how much damage you get, or, you know, when do you go to surgery or not surgery with your dog, that's that's a big conversation, which we can have, um, but discs don't slip. Now, some of them do bulge, 
And so a lot of veterinarian, a lot of veterinarians use that term with their clients. And is that just so their clients understand what they're talking about? Or if that is that the vet's understanding of it? I don't, I, I have not been in their disc class in their school late, right? I don't know what they know or don't know or, and, but they'll tell, oh, because they took an x-ray. You cannot see this bulge or this herniation on x-ray. You cannot see it. Well, why they do it then? Well, they want to rule out big masses, um, severe arthritis, spondylolisthesis, spondylosis, IVDD. They want to get an idea of what they're dealing with. And that's fine. I think it does give you an idea. Do we have severe, severe arthritis in this, in this spine that's causing all of this? Or do we have, you know, what do we have? And a lot of vets have actually stopped even bothering with the x-ray. And just recommend they go to the neurologist and get an MRI. So things have changed over the years. Back in the day, we had x-rays. That was it. You know, there was 20 years ago when I started my practice, it was this mystical thing called an MRI that one dog in thousands got to go into. Now it's much more an everyday thing. Um, it's still $3,000. What? An MRI? One MRI is $3,000? And you have to go to a neurologist, a vet can't do an MRI. Is that just because they don't have that equipment? A lot of, yes, you have to go to a neurologist because they have. Yeah. And your dog is already prepped for surgery. Because they have to be anesthetized. Um, they do the MRI. They read the MRI. That dog is prepped for surgery. Not all dogs go to surgery, depending on what they find on the MRI. But if they find something, they talk to the pet parents, and then they go into surgery. Like that's how that works. So, um, and they've gotten better at telling people this. Back in the day, they would, oh, we're just going to do an MRI. And then they come out and bombard these pet parents and then they throw them into surgery. Um, but they wouldn't tell them that their animal is prepped for surgery. Okay. So, so, the, so it's $3,000 just for the, the picture. Yeah. That is not including the surgery. No, you're looking at another five to seven for that. $10,000. Wow. So what, so, so let me back up for a second. So your dog's doing fine. Mm -hmm. He's running, he's doing everything. Mm -hmm. Would he instantly become paralyzed? Yes. He could become instantly. Yes. I recently had a client walked out the back door to go potty, dragged her back end in the door minutes later. It does that. It does that. It does that um, straw that breaks the camel's back thing. It just automatically just boom. And your dog is down. Typical history with um, dachshunds. I went to work in the morning and he was fine. Came back, couldn't walk. Very typical. Very typical history. But and and, and and do you know whether that is a herniated or a bulging disc at that no. point? No. No. You need an MRI to determine exactly what's going on. Sometimes we need an MRI even to determine the level. Like what vertebrae is even doing? Is this... Um, B12 or is this L2? That doesn't act, if you choose to do palliative care, chiropractic care, um, I don't really care. I, it doesn't really matter to me. Um, I'm going to ask the body. I'm going to adjust what I find. It just, it's fine. But for surgery, you need to know which level and you need to know how that disc is bulging or herniating, you know. So that, you need the MRI before you. And does it matter whether it is herniated or bulging 
as to how you are going to adjust? And is there any uh, fear of, um, well, certainly not on your part. No, not in my world. Right. There's, I mean, is there fear from a pet parent that says, okay, my dog, his back legs aren't moving. um, And I'm afraid if I take him to a chiropractor that there's going to be damage done if I don't have an MRI. Sometimes parents, that's where they land. Absolutely. But is that true? I Not in my world, I don't think so. And if you're going to do the MRI, you in for a dollar, you're, you know, like, you might as well do the whole thing. Um, generally, you know, I have seen lately some dogs that the vet actually did the MRI and said, you know what, we just have a little bulge. It's actually going to heal. They actually have not gone ahead and did surgery on these dogs, which I am thoroughly grateful for. And they've come in and I knew exactly which level we were dealing with. It was kind of cool, but did it really matter? And could they have been in my office a month ago and I could have fixed it instantly and it could have turned into an absolutely nothing thing? Yeah. But they went to the vet and they went to the neurologist and they went the MRI route. Um, and so by the time they get to me, they need to come a little bit more often to get it cleared up. So what causes a bulge versus a herniation? Is that a word? It's, herniation? You got, <laughs> you got it. Um, the bulge is prior to the herniation, really. It's just probably dependent on what that bulge was um, compressing. If that bulge started to compress and irritate a nerve that then caused pain and then caused the pet parent to take the animal somewhere, we got to it a lot earlier. If that bulge was just there, not irritating, the dog didn't say anything, and then the dog got a foot stuck in the couch getting up to go run after the UPS truck, and it just and it tweaked it just right, and it, and it, it ripped open, let's say, as an example of what they have. Um, it doesn't actually to be trauma they could really just turn and it just be the last straw but um i'm most bulges turn into those herniations now you can have a full-on traumatic herniation like the dog i don't even know what dogs would do but people in a car wreck can traumatically herniate you know two or three discs because of the whiplash and because of the trauma of the impact right wow so yeah that stuff does happen too um but a lot of, go back to the x-rays real quick. A lot of pet parents come in, oh, we, ha- we, we have a slip disc because there's this decreased disc space at this level. Usually that's P13, L1, L1, L2, right in the middle of the back because that joint has the most motion in the spine and they use it all the time to jump up and jump down, jump up and jump down, up and jump down. <laughs> um, and so there's generally more wear and tear in that segment of the spine, no matter what. Um, and yes, that space will be decreased. That's because that disc isn't as plump and juicy. It may be compressed a little bit and bulged out. It may not. That may be how the dog's spine always look. We don't know. Um, that may be the problem, but maybe that's doing okay, but the compensation is in the lower spine and that needs to be adjusted. And so it doesn't always tell you where the pain is coming from. Um, I mentioned in that email, study after study on people, 
they, that do MRIs for whatever reason they're getting an MRI, you'll see disc bulges all the time in the spine and they're not causing the people any problem, no problem whatsoever. Now we don't have those studies in dogs. I mean, maybe, maybe they're starting to look at the spine if they're MRIing for something else. I don't know. I really don't know. But, you know, is the disc bulge a problem or is something else the problem? No. That's another reason why. Let's just check the dog out, find out what we got, adjust what we find, and see, see how much improvement we get. We generally have no going backwards doesn't generally happen, ever. We may not get any improvement. Um, and then, then we discuss other things. Are we on the right meds? Are we doing the right this? Are we, what are, what's the dog doing when you're not home? Oh, you have him running around the house. You don't have him crated when you're gone right now, just right now. You know, like, so there's a lot of factors. So is there a time frame, meaning this, if the dog goes down, the dragging the back legs, mm -hmm. and they don't do anything, they don't do chiropractic. They don't go to the vet. They don't do anything. Does it get worse the longer that you don't do anything? Or would you say that sometimes people make it worse because they jump to conclusions too fast? Um, the damage will continue to get worse on the neurological system. That inflammation sitting in there causing and compression to those nerves, you are causing more damage. Your dog goes down, you go to the vet, you get prednisone. And whatever okay. else they want to give you, but you get prednisone. It is only anti-inflammatory that works within the spinal column. Mm. Dollar for every time I've told people this. Not your NSAID. No Rimadyl, no Parprofen, no Duramax, no Galaprant, whatever new thing they have out for an NSAID. They do not work in the spinal column. You need a steroid. You need prednisone. You need prednisolone. You need a DEC. You need a steroid. And you need it as you can get it on board. It's the only thing that's going to reduce the inflammation, allow those nerves to calm down, and to reduce the damage to the nerve. Because if the, if the nerves are cut off for too long, then they can possibly never regenerate, never come they back. Can, yes, they could possibly never regenerate. Nerves do regenerate. It is just so magically it's way too slow. For, it, it's just slow. It, it, it's almost like they're not regenerating. But yeah, you got to get the inflammation off. So my my favorite is the triple cocktail, the steroids, tramadol, and um, relaxant, methylcarbinol. That's my favorite cocktail. You're probably not getting tramadol these days. You're going to get gabapentin. Why'd they take tramadol away? Oh, it doesn't work. Can you hear? But does it? It worked for the 20, 30, 40 years it was being used prior to gabapentin coming on the scene. Okay, so they gabapentin's yeah, just the new, new drug that big pharma's pushing. Which it doesn't. Well, I, as I understand it, I haven't asked a dog, and I haven't used it on myself. But as I understand and have looked at some of the research, it doesn't really work. No, anecdotally, talking to clients, it's very few dogs that it actually is helpful. And every person that has taken it, either as Neurotin, gabapentin, Lyrica, those are all the same drug they most people are like oh my god i feel awful on it. I feel awful on it so how do our dogs really feel on it um and it causes the blood brain barrier 
this is where I, it plays actually in the brain. I'm like, do we need to be up messing with the neurons in the brain? And long-term studies in full shows that it actually kills. You. Oh, you know, your yeah, your dogs are not going to be on it long-term because long-term is about the length of their lifespan. So that's not what I'm worried about. But it's just kind of interesting. We really need to be playing up there. Interesting point of view. Killing the brain cells seems to be a uh, a, a recurring theme, <laughs> and uh, maybe a goal. Of <laughs> somebody out there. All right. So your dog goes down. Uh, the first thing that you need to do is go get, go to the vet and get some prednisone. Now, let me ask you this. Are they going to give you the prednisone, Dr. Andy, if you don't do the $3,000 MRI? If you know to ask for it, they will. You're going to have to be a little bit of an advocate. The vast majority of what I've come across over the so many years um, if you go to your regular vet, that's what they're going to do. If you go to the ER, you might end up ER straight to the, to the neurologist. And they have been very unhelpful with doing a series of steroids before anything else. They have actually been the more difficult component to getting steroids. The neurologists don't want to do it. They just want to do their MRIs and they just want to get in there and slice and dice. Um, and fix the problem. So that's been very interesting. But a lot, if you can, if you know, this happens at 4 p.m. and you can condole your vet to see them that evening, most of your regular vets will hand you the prednisone, especially if you ask for it. All right. So is there anything that a pet parent could have on hand? Let's just say that this happens during a time that the vet's office is closed. The ER is closed, which most ERs are open, but still, let's just say, is there anything that a pet parent should have on hand in the event that the back legs totally go out? Not that I've come across. This would be like the one time that I'd load everybody, load them up and go. Load them up on, on the prednisone. Can you OD you? Load them up and go to the whatever vet ER, whatever. Oh, load find. them up in the car. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Can you? you... Know, I'm not a. That's what you do first, kind of gal. Right, right, right. Can you overdose on prednisone? Um, it'd be really hard because your animal's going to feel so crummy. I mean, prednisone's ugly. I'm not condoning prednisone like everyone should have some. It, it's, it's an ugly drug, but it's old, it's cheap, and we know all the side effects, which is I actually advantageous over like all these fancy new things they want to try. I don't even know what the reputation of that is. We know your dog's going to be hungry. We know your dog's going to get bloated. We know it's going to drink and pee all over the place. We know it's going to have behavioral changes. We know long-term effects are going to mess up the endocrine system. Long-term effects in my world, just a dumb chiropractor, is like three months. Getting more than 21 days of pred out of a veterinarian for something like this is like pulling bloody teeth, and I don't know why got information down and if your options are keep the dog on pred or put them down because the pet owners are not willing or can't afford the mri surgery option that road i don't know why the vet argues so much about keeping them on pred if the other option is being put down just give them the result don't it, it just boggles my mind and it boggles the pet owner's minds they're like just this is what I want to do. We're getting some some small results. The dog is feeling better. 
why why must they argue about it? But we do. And my pet owners go to bat for their pets a lot in this arena because I'm no help. I, I can't get the prednisone. I can't prescribe prednisone. I can recommend it. I can talk about what I've seen over the last 20 years. I only know five drugs, right? I only know the ones they come in for pain. I don't know any of this other stuff. And I know this is what works. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, that's exactly how we on chiropractic. Right. <laughs> right. 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 Um, all right. So just to to recap, if your dog goes down back in, load them up in the car, get them to the vet, try to get some prednisone. All right. Whether you decide to do a three thousand dollar MRI or not. Uh, you can go see Dr. Andy or go see a chiropractor. You are not going to cause your dog any further harm by going to a chiropractor first and seeing if that helps. And, you know, I've, I've, um, Dr. Rachel, you know, and you have her on your site. She talks about, uh, she had a dog that they wanted to do surgery on. And and one of the reasons that I think she even went into this industry was because she saw the miraculous recovery of a dog that couldn't walk, hers, um, doing chiropractic before she considered surgery. I, I've had dogs that were not walking, that are now walking. Um, some that are really, really wobbly, like really like, ooh, where are we? We're close. We're close. This is not good. They respond beautifully to chiropractic. They're, if, if they're up on their feet at all, they do not. Oh, wow. Good tip. They do not. There's no reason. We can steroids. We can adjust. We give it time. And then if you do have a dog down that responds remarkably to prednisone, my book this is my book this is what i see they respond and then they know where their feet are quite quickly they may not be standing yet but they're you know they are responding to medication so they do need your patience the ones that i have honestly never had success with is the ones that not hold their blood when the bladder is involved Either they're peeing spontaneously or they're not peeing at all. They're not peeing. Yeah. Like that has to be him. You can, you can express the bladder and stuff, but generally once the bladder's involved, I have a very bleak conversation with parents and a lot of them still insist they want to come in and try chiropractic and they have all the patients in the world and we can do this. And usually it's three visits and either the dog goes to surgery. Or, I mean, mm. the size. Um, it's kind of a ongoing theme over 20 years. It's about that. Um, but I did, and of course, the dachshunds, they're, they're known for this, right? The long back dog. Um, and I did have one recent, not long, you know, a couple years ago, and I wasn't even brought on the scene until five weeks in. Oh, wow. He was getting acupuncture. The breeder had him great rested. The breeder had him on gabapentin, methocarbinol, and steroids. And I was brought in about five weeks later and about three weeks into seeing him once or twice a week with the acupuncture. Like this woman wasn't even the owner. The breeder took him back to get him better. The amount of work, which you also have to take into account, 
um, was astronomical. Like bringing them up to me, I'm going to see him, getting him over here, blah, blah, blah. She literally one day saw him kind of like it wasn't even his toes. It wasn't even his like just a minimal movement. And she's like, we got it. And it was about three weeks after that he was up on his feet. He's now fine. He plays ball. He runs. He goes up and down the ramps. He comes in every six weeks. His owner brings him in. And he is a me. But that took months of patience. And a lot of times that parents don't have that. So, you know, surgery. I, I don't tend to be involved post-surgery. So I don't know what kind of work is that. I mean, that's eight weeks great. Right? That's eight weeks of getting them outside to go potty and helping them potty. That's a ton of work too. So it's not like, ooh, surgery. They said they could make it through surgery. Yeah, most animals make it through surgery just fine. Our anesthesia is beautiful. Right? Like they do an excellent job on that. It's the aftermath, people. You know, what is involved after? Better ask. Just make sure you ask that question and hopefully they'll give you an honest answer. Because then that 10,000 MRI surgery, then you have PT. What meds do they need after that? How long is recovery after that? And then like we talked about um, compensation of the spine, right? In the last, a couple podcasts ago with the dog that had the disc surgery uh, at, at the lumbosacral joint. Now the next level is involved. So you do this on a four-year-old animal. What happens at eight? You have to do it again at the next level, the surgery that is. Or, okay, say your animal is screaming in pain cannot be like we have to go in and do surgery. Okay. The practice after healed up to keep that compensation a minimum. Maybe you're not back in that for the next level. Yeah, it's definitely a more in-depth conversation, right? The, from from two different sides, right? So yes, you can take your dog in. And you can pay the $3,000 for an MRI. I'm not saying that, that you shouldn't do that. And I don't think Dr. Andy is saying no. that either. But what you are saying is that there are a lot of things to consider. Yes. Yes. That is, yeah, it's the bottom line of all of this. There's a lot to consider. So I think what the great thing for folks to do is if you have this situation happen Get the information. First of all, get the dog comfortable. Get them to the vet. Get them on prednisone so you can reduce that inflammation. Okay. Save the nerves. And then get yourself a consultation with Dr. Andy. One thing that you can do, Dr. Andy, is people can take videos of their dogs. You can review that video. You can do a Zoom call. You can actually look at the dog. And even though they may not be in the area where they actually work with you, maybe they don't know a chiropractor in their area, but they can get the information from you and then go see a chiropractor and they're ahead of the game at that point. I tell people, you know, make an appointment with me, make that appointment with the neurologist. They're, you're not getting in right away in this area. Make that appointment for the MRI. Set it up. You can cancel, but you have it. And see how the dog goes. So you have everything in place instead of playing catch-up. Like, oh, I don't know if I want. No, you, you don't know if you want to do that yet. So schedule it out a month. See how well they do on the meds. See how they, well they respond to chiropractic, acupuncture, massage, you know, the, the, 
the, the loop we talked about, the meds. You can be doing all of that and have all of the appointments in place. Well, and, and I think that we, when we see our animal in distress like that, mm-hmm. we do these knee-jerk reactions. And again, it's not that, as long as you get that inflammation down and you start doing some palliative care, th- there probably isn't going to be any more damage done, right? If you look at it from a human standpoint. If I did something to my back, Dr. Andy, I'm not going to go in for surgery right away. No. Like, how long is our process? And we right. live in this pain. And, and I'm not saying we enjoy it, but your animal can live not feeling great. Now, yeah, again, different conversation. You have a great Dane that you have to get up and get out to urinate and express bladder. I mean, like nurse care. What do you have? You have a dachshund that's 10 pounds. You have an 80-pound dog. I mean, like, it, there's a lot of different conversations when it comes to the dog. But, yeah, we're not, we, we live in some pain. We can. So, can our animals? It's hard, folks. I know. Right. It's very, very hard. But they're okay, and you keep them as comfortable as possible. Yeah. Yeah. It just get the information so that you can make mm-hmm. a good, uh, informed consent, right? Informed consent. Yes. We Born don't have consent. good informed consent these days. Mm-mm. It's up to you to get that, to look at all angles and then look at uh, the situation and what works best for you and your dog, right? Yep. But you can't do that if you have limited information Be- yep. because, you know, it's sort of like um, a flea and tick or heartworm. If If you did not know that those were pesticides, right? And you see a dog that has that begins to be wobbly, and 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 you know the neurotoxins have taken uh, effect, right? That you may not, you may just keep putting that in the dog because you don't have that information. So we have to have as much information as possible. Uh, nobody is going to be a hundred percent right, except for us. And um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but anyway, get over to animalmagiccare.com. You can go over to Dr. Andy's Lives. That's Dr. Andy's World on YouTube every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Mountain Time. But a consultation with Dr. Andy is minimal compared to what you're looking at with an MRI in surgery, right? It's minimal. And you want to make sure that you're making the best decision. Maybe your dog's going to respond like that client that you had, right, is going to respond a little bit later down the road. I think those tips are amazing that you gave. If they're responding to prednisone, if they're on their feet, then surgery is not needed, right? That, that is brilliant. And uh, what I've seen in 20 years, that's time and time again. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Thanks so much, Dr. Andy, for uh, another great podcast on a Monday morning, helping our pet parents uh, give their dogs the best life possible. Get over to animalmagiccare.com and also get on a species appropriate diet, guys. You can bring that inflammation down in the body instantly if you would just get rid of the processed crap. Come on, people. Let's get on the raw diet. Get over to rawdogfoodandcompany.com. Well, your pet's health is our business and we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. We'll see you next week, Dr. Andy. Sounds good. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Oh, snap. Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com, where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap.